Hello everyone and welcome to a Light Unto My Path podcast. Um, this is Howard Sides, your host, and I'm going to do uh, something unique and different today. We're, we're not actually going to do a Bible lesson study. Um, I've started something and, and I'm kind of run it by a couple of you. I may have, there, there's actually a, a place that I can ask you kind of get your input on what's going on. But what it is, uh, several years back, uh, right around 2000, I think it was, or maybe a couple of years before that, uh, I've always been an avid reader, love books, love reading. And I'd always wanted to try my hand at writing a book. And uh, I actually did it. Not once, uh, but twice. And even took it and uh, started maybe, I think there's currently uh, eight, eight, six, seven, or eight different books that I've started <laughs> after that. Uh, and uh, I put it kind of aside, got kind of busy with things and uh, just life, basically, you know, how things just kind of get set to the side. Uh, but here recently, uh, this year, as a matter of fact, it was since uh, the time change. Uh, man, it's just, it has messed with me. I don't know what it is. Of course, uh, most of you know, I've said it before. I work third shift, so I'm awake at night anyway. So it's it's hard for me to sleep during the day, but I, I've just been awake like uh, crazy. And after sleeping like maybe two or three hours, I get up uh, like this week, Thanksgiving week. I uh, hope everybody's had a nice Thanksgiving, uh, by the way. But uh, this week, you know, I've been getting up at like four o'clock, four thirty, five o'clock, things like that. But anyway, uh, as of last week, uh, I woke up early. I, you know, went to bed uh, Friday night and uh, woke up Saturday morning. I had this thought of a of a book. Um, it's kind of a a I don't know what you call the thing a script a movie script is the way I pictured it in my head. And uh, I started writing on my laptop, and I punched out like seven pages immediately. And in in my desire to write books, uh, I wanted several goals. One, I wanted to focus on a a wide based uh, group of readers. It, it could be a young person. Uh, an adult person, but I wanted to write it simple enough, you know, young readers could enjoy it. They could understand it. Uh, two, I wanted it to be Christian based. Now I didn't want to solely focused on just Christian, Christian things. It was just life in general. Um, uh, but at, with a Christian aspect to it, no, no sex, no drugs, no, none of that stuff, cussing, um, you know, just clean reading material. Uh, as you know, there's hardly any of that out there. So I kind of put that together with it being that way. Uh, I did try to publish a couple of them through uh, uh, mail-in resources and uh, publishing houses and uh, pretty much gave up after a little while. My desire was just to write it. Uh, publishing it would be really nice. As a matter of fact, I would love to be a published writer and, and maybe do that for a career. But as it is, I'll take what I can get. So let me start explaining this one um, and the background to it. Um, I may have mentioned it. Some of you probably know if you're members of, of our church, 
Uh, I've certainly mentioned it in Sunday school. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm one of those unique fellows that, that likes Hallmark movies. Um, not so much interested here lately in the, uh, whatever you call it, the turn of events with, you know, mixed races. and things. I don't agree with that at all. Um, but I like the whole idea, that especially the Christmas movies, you know, that sort of thing. Um, my daughter-in-law, she kind of enjoys it along with me, so we talk about them all the time and things of that nature. But uh, th this idea I had here, uh, the title of it is The Christmas Box. The Christmas Box. And I, I have no idea where it come from or, or why I thought it, it just popped up and here it is. So what I thought about doing is is I'll take a podcast here and there as I write some. Um, uh, I'm currently up to uh, uh, 11 chapters. <laughs> yeah, about 20 some pages into it. So. But anyway, uh, I, I was just curious to put this out there and see what some of you thought about it and uh, kind of get some input on it. See what you think. Uh, maybe it's worthy of a Hallmark movie. Who knows? <laughs> okay, so I, I'm going to spend a couple podcasts and, and kind of read out the chapters to you, let you get a feel for what's going on. And, and now I haven't completed the book. I have an idea of where I'm going, how I'm getting there, and this sort of thing. Uh, but like I said, I've only written 11 chapters. And so with no further ado, let's just jump into it and we'll just get started. Okay. All right. The Christmas box. Chapter one. Joe Burrow stared out the kitchen window as the snow quietly covered the ground. He leaned in close to the glass to see better, but the steam from his fresh cup of coffee started fogging it up. So he had to stand back up straight. The pre-dawn rising sun was casting just enough light that he could walk his eyes across the objects in the backyard as they began to be covered in snow. Inevitably, his eyes locked on the back porch swing, and he felt the searing pain in his heart. Bella absolutely loved the snow and always acted like a small child when it came. When the cold winter air started moving in, she would always get excited for three reasons. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and most of all, the possibility of snow. He never quite understood her fascination with snow for a while, but one day while taking a walk through such a snowstorm, she had mentioned that where she grew up, Charleston, South Carolina, snow was such a rare thing that she could not remember ever experiencing one in recent years. He tried to pull his eyes away from the swing that he had made for her birthday one summer, but he just couldn't and begrudgingly allowed the memories to flash back into his mind. Knowing good and well, this could ruin his whole day. He pictured one particular snowstorm. Nothing really special about it in comparison to other ones. It was no more than three or four inches that covered the ground, just enough that only shadows of the objects in the yard could be made out. As was always the case, Bella, or Bells, as he liked to call her, had heard on the news all week that there was a chance of snow, and that was all the encouragement she needed. She walked around the house every day, lightly bouncing on her toes in anticipation. He recalled imagining the pink Energizer bunny whenever he saw her like that, and had even called her that once. But that morning, that morning was also different from any others. His mind raced back to the very first thought as he caught a choke in his throat, and his eyes glistened over. 
It was so early that it was still a little dark outside when she came running into the bedroom and literally jumped and landed on the bed beside him, nearly scaring him half to death. He really did hate when she did that. But how could he say anything when she had that huge smile and the twinkle of excitement in her eyes? Joey, it is snowing outside. She had spaced out her words for added effect like he really couldn't understand what all the commotion was about. He remembered that his eyes were still blurry from just waking up in that moment, but the warmth and excitement in her actions had flooded all over him too. He couldn't help it. He had grown up on a small homestead farm in Franklinville, North Carolina, where snow was not such a rare thing, but still only came sporadically, enough to cause excitement and anticipation in its own right in his home too, just not to the extreme level that Bell's experienced. Come on, come on, get up, get a cup of coffee, and let's watch it together, she had pleaded with him, literally tugging at his arm to try to get him out of bed faster. He knew there was no arguing or asking if he could get a little more sleep. Uh, they had been through this a few times before. Oh, all right, there's no hurry, though. The snow isn't going anywhere, he jokingly said as he attempted to methodically roll slowly out of the bed. Uh, sure, sure, but it's coming down like a blizzard, she had replied with her eyes on fire, indicating to him that she was done playing and he had better get moving. He got up and threw on a house coat that he kept for such cold winter mornings as this and followed her down the hall towards the kitchen. He could even now, at this very moment, still hear the pitter-pattering sound her feet made as she bounced down the hall and could still smell the, slight, the light, sweet fragrance of her perfume that she always wore. The coffee maker was just finishing up, so they both poured a cup and looked out the window at the fascinating winter wonderland that was beginning to slowly take shape before their very eyes. Hey, Joey, let's get the big quilt and go sit out on the porch swing and watch from outside. What do you say? He had looked at her like she was crazy, but he could instantly see that she believed this was the greatest thought she'd had up to date. Jokingly, he quoted the words to a Christmas song, baby. It's cold outside. To which he immediately started laughing, which used to be the very signature of his whole personality. Thinking back to this time, he immediately hung on to that specific moment and realized how strange it was for him to remember that he used to be so full of joy and just how long ago that had really been. She waited on his laughing to die down and then pulled her signature move on him. She walked directly in front of him looked up at him with her eyes that he swore she could make larger to give them that sad puppy dog look, and then turned down the corners of her mouth. She then proceeded to sigh in that ever so lightly way before saying, Joe, please don't make me go sit out there by myself. As he stared into her eyes, he felt like there was maybe something uniquely special about this one time. She had called him Joe instead of Joey like she always does. Uh, I mean... He remembered thinking it wasn't like he could tell her no when she pulled that move, and she knew it too. Okay, just let me put some socks on because I really like my toes as they are. Don't want to leave them stuck on the porch when we come back in, he said, starting to chuckle again at one of his own jokes. Okay, but hurry up. I don't want to miss any more of it, she exclaimed as she shooed him down the hall to emphasize that he had better hurry. For the next hour or so, they sat huddled together on the porch swing under that big quilt that her grandmother had made for them for a wedding gift. It was extremely heavy and well insulated, so it kept them warm. He recalled turning to look at her and was still so fascinated by the wonder on her face as something so simple as snow. 
Her cheeks and nose were rosy red by now and gave her what he could only describe as that baby doll look. He could still see the snowflakes that had fallen into her dark hair and how they shimmered in the light when she barely moved her head. He remembered, too, that they barely spoke any words at all. Enraptured as they were with the beauty of the snowfall and just the comfort of being in each other's arms, doing absolutely nothing at all. The snowstorm had lasted until just after noon sometime, as he remembered, but it had gone by so very fast. Or had it, he thought. He couldn't remember if he had thought it went by so fast that morning, or if all the specific moments he liked to tie together in one small memory box just went by so much faster now when he thought back on them. Either way, as he wiped off a tear running down his face, he thought it had been that one special magical moment in their two short lives together that they had shared. Ironically, it had been the best of days and the worst of days, as Charles Dickens had put it. No, he thought. Dickens had actually used the word times instead of narrowing it all down to one specific day as it had been for them. End of chapter one. All right, let's do chapter two. Chapter 2. Elijah would have loved today, Julia Braxton mumbled to herself as she watched the snow fall outside the back door. She had her elbows on the bar and her head perched on her hands as she patiently waited for the coffee to finish brewing. How could something so beautiful be connected with such a horrible moment? She thought as her eyes locked in on one particular snowflake that seemed to have defied the laws of gravity and was just floating up and down in the air across the back porch. She became curious of where it would end up, so she stood up and walked over to the back door to keep track of it. She watched intently, never even hearing the coffee machine's familiar beep, 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 indicating the coffee was ready. The snowflake seemed to have a life of its own and was refusing to lie down on the ground, seemingly knowing that once this happened, it would disappear among the other snowflakes and would lose all independence and individuality. The thought crossed her mind that this one little snowflake reminded her of the notes on a sheet of music that she would play and how they seemed to dance across the paper. Focusing back on the snowflake, she watched as it came near the edge of the porch, but then a small gust of wind blew it back away from the edge and it began to climb higher until it was directly in her line of sight, at which point the snowflake seemed to just freeze in place and just stayed immovable in that one spot right in front of her eyes. She thought this was fascinating just before the snowflake then started dropping once again and slowly shifted downward and side to side towards the edge of the porch. She intently watched as the snowflake just ever so closely seemed to touch the flakes that were already on the surface of the porch and then suddenly it dropped right over the edge and out of sight. That's a sign for you, Jules, she said to herself, using her husband's nickname for her. Just when things are so good and moving along like they should, Life shows up, looks you straight in the eye, and then drops right over the edge of the porch and out of sight, leaving you to deal with a mess. Julia shook her head to get rid of the negative thoughts and moved to the counter to make her cup of coffee. It took her a minute to find a coffee mug. Her dad, being a military veteran, had kept everything in a specific place, and for the life of her, she couldn't remember where they were. Immediately, a pang of guilt flashed through her as she realized she didn't know where they were only because it had been so long since she had been back home. No bad blood, anger issues, or anything like that. 
She was just one of those people that had been too caught up in her own life to realize that family may not always be there forever. And that was one very hard lesson she had learned, not once or even twice, but three very painful times within a span of three very short years. She opened the right cupboard door and spotted a few navy mugs just in time to hear small feet walking into the kitchen behind her. Good morning, little bug. Ready for breakfast yet? She asked her five-year-old son, Nathan. As he mumbled something incoherent, she pointed to the back door and asked, Did you see outside? It's snowy. Nathan seemed to come fully awake with a start and ran to the door to see the snow. Wow, it's snowing harder than it does back home, Nathan said, just as a gust of wind blew against the side of the house and made the siding shudder. And louder, too, he added, <laughs> which made Julia laugh. Having lived in Boston until just this week, saying that this snow was harder and louder, as he called it, was saying something. But then again, he wasn't old enough to even have seen some of the really big snowstorms the Northeast could produce. All right, what's it going to be this morning? Bacon and eggs with toast, or how about some pancakes, she asked. He seemed not to have heard her for a few moments, but then replied, pancakes, I guess. She turned to start trying to figure out where everything was, but knew that he was just a little too quiet. You okay, she asked. Again, Nathan seemed not to have heard, but was just staring out the glass at the snow coming down. He took a deep breath and then sighed, indicating to her that something was definitely on his mind. She gave him time to get it out and just glanced at him every now and then to let him know she was still listening to him when he was ready. Although Nathan was only five, she was still amazed at just how well she had taken on the mother role, as her best friend Charlotte Murphy was fond of saying. She did attribute most of her success to Nathan, who was such a good child. Even as a newborn, he had slept through the night after about two weeks, making her the envy of her other friends back in Boston who had little ones. She, of course, had no doubt that God played a very significant role in helping her out as a single mother. She really didn't like that term, single mother. Being from the traditional Old South, a single mother was usually associated with nothing honorable. Whenever she had to explain her situation, she could imagine what some people would think, given that she was only 20 years old when she had Nathan. Being traditional or old-fashioned or not, she preferred it that way, and things would have been that way if Elijah were still here. Her, thought returned, her thoughts returned to the present as she noticed Nathan seemed about ready to discuss what was on his mind. Mom, why are we really here? He asked. <laughs> and there it is in a nutshell, she thought. She, is, she had explained as best she could to a five-year-old why they were moving here, but she understood that it was a lot to take in. Frankly, it was still too much for her to handle right now. She walked around the bar and pulled a chair out from under the kitchen table. Immediately, the sound took her back to her childhood, as it was a very familiar sound from when she was younger. Many a family discussion, meal, laughter, homework, and even tears were shared, shed around this old table. She turned to Nathan and said, Bug, I know this is hard to understand right now, even for me, but I promise you that whatever we have to do, we do it together. You and me, always, okay? Nathan tilted his head a little to the left, as he does sometimes, and then smiled at her. Okay, Mom, together. This seemed to have erased all the questions and concerns he had, and she envied him in that moment just for that. She wished there was someone who could tell her they would be there forever, 
and that whatever they would have to face, they would face it together. Elijah had been that and so much more, but then he was gone. Nathan seemed content with the snow continuing to come down, so he ran back upstairs, probably to play with the few toys he could bring with him during the move. She returned to the task of making pancakes. She hoped she had all the ingredients and let her mind wander back, even though she knew it could just possibly ruin her day. Life, just as that little snowflake had done, had stopped and stared her right in the face about five years ago on a day very much like this one, just in time for the holiday season to begin, cold and even snowing like a blizzard. She was a professional violinist for the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra, and things were getting very busy for the holiday season with several events planned throughout the rest of the year. She had heard rumors from some of the other musicians that the conductor just may approach her for a solo piece that he was planning for the spring concert. This was downright huge. That morning started as all others had started, uh, with some snow in the forecast and a heavy practice session planned as the concert was just one week away. Julia remembered very specifically taking her seat beside Anna, who was another violinist, and contrary to what some uh, may think would be a highly competitive situation, she and Anna were good friends and had been since day one. Anna had been in the middle of explaining all the details of the downright funny and yet horrible date she had had the night before, keeping Julia nearly in tears. As was the known rule of thumb, when the director appeared on the stage, everyone quietened down, ready for the rehearsal. Right at that very moment, Julia felt an incredible wave of nausea come over her like she had never felt before. She knew that if she didn't get to the bathroom right then, it would be too late. She jumped out of her seat with a wave to the conductor who had an annoyed look on his face and ran across the stage to the nearest bathroom. She no more than made it to the very first saw, thankfully empty, and her stomach ruptured like never before. Immediately, she thought back to what she had eaten for breakfast and then for dinner last night, realizing, realizing that this was probably not food poisoning. Although she had never had it before, Anna had and was very colorful in explaining all the details to her right down to the moment she threw up in her date's lap in the middle of a movie. Of course, Anna blamed it on him for taking her to a cheap restaurant that had served him spoiled food. As Julia's stomach seemed to settle a little bit, she wondered if this was just some bug going around. While she was not one who got sick very often, actually she rarely got sick, she still knew that it could happen. Julia was unable to move from her place on the floor in the stall for quite a while. Eventually, Anna came in and found her there, promptly explaining to Julia that this was not normal and that she insisted on taking her immediately to the hospital to get checked out. Julia didn't have the strength to argue, so she allowed Anna to take her, promising to keep a trash bag with her while in the car. As they made their way to the hospital, Julia recalled thinking that she should call Elijah, or even her mom, to let them know. But as Elijah had just left about a month ago overseas on a mission, he would be next to impossible to get a hold of. And her mom would want to know all sorts of details of which she didn't know and really was in no condition to try and explain either. She did remember just watching the snow outside the window and how mesmerizing it seemed as it was coming right at you and then at the last second flew right over the windshield and behind you. When they arrived at Mass General, which is Massachusetts General Hospital, Julia felt yet another wave of nausea hit her, but she had nothing left in her stomach. So all she could do was double over while Anna put her arm around her. Eventually, they got inside and saw a wonderful doctor who got right to work and explained everything she would be doing, including a pregnancy test. Julia remembered thinking and even telling the doctor, uh, my husband's deployed overseas, so there's no chance of that, I think. 
She had added that last phrase as she recalled their last few nights together before he deployed and how wonderful they were until the inevitable argument ensued about how much longer he would stay in and why didn't he want to be at home with her and all the other accusations she could throw at him, not fully understanding nor wanting to understand why he did what he did. Okay, but we will check just to be sure the doctor had replied and disappeared as she pulled the door close, closed to the room. Julia thought it strange that since uh, they had entered the hospital, the nausea had stopped. Maybe it was simply the smell, or maybe her nausea realized that she was in a place that could put a stop to it, she thought with a smile. What in the world are you smiling at, asked Anna with that knowing look on her face. Anna was well aware of the sporadic, uncontrolled bouts of laughter that Julia was known for, and was certain this was the onset of one of those moments. Oh, I was just thinking that the nausea has suddenly stopped, like it knows it's in trouble now, Julia smiled. Anna could only shake her head and say, well, that's good then. I'm glad you're feeling better. I was getting really worried about you there for a minute. Julia realized the pancakes were ready to be flipped. She smirked at just how ironic this moment was and how it signaled what would happen from that point. She thought back to the moment there in the hospital as she saw the worried look on Anna's face and how comforting it was to know she had a good friend who cared that much. Hey, you know me, Anna. I can handle just about anything, she had replied. Julia still remembered, thinking at that very moment that she might have said too much. Just then, the doctor opened the door with what looked to Julia to be a satisfied look on her face. She remembered thinking at least it wasn't some dreaded or sad look of troubling news. The doctor took a deep breath and then said, Okay, I think we found the source of the problem. Julia waited, assuming the doctor was going to continue on in one flowing explanation, but had paused, apparently for some kind of dramatic effect, which at that moment had almost annoyed Julia a little bit, but then she continued in all the ebb and flow that she had expected from the start with what felt like one swift jab. You're pregnant. Julia could remember that moment and how she had seemed to be frozen in place, unable to comprehend what the doctor had said. Sure, it was possible that she was pregnant. And it wasn't completely a bad thing. Oh, but Lord forgive her, it was something she was totally unprepared for. She distinctly remembered nearly jumping out of her skin when, at that moment, Anna had jumped up beside her screaming for joy and gave the surprised doctor a big hug as well. Oh my gosh, this is like the best news ever, Anna explained with her hands to the side of her face in total surprise. Julia was still trying to come to terms with just what this all meant and how things would change when Anna realized that she was so quiet and turned to her. Oh, Julia, this is good news, isn't it? Anna asked, trying to see the answer in Julia's face. Julia had then, uh, had then allowed room for this news to spread throughout her, and immediately she thought of holding a newborn baby in her arms, and she just melted. Trying to fight back the tears, she still didn't know if they were happy tears, frightened tears, Knowing tears or simply just those tears you cry when you don't know what else to do? She said, yes. Yes, I think it is. After being released from the hospital, Anna had told Julia that she was taking her home and that they would, be, they would begin planning out everything she would need to do to be ready for, oh my gosh, a real live baby, as Anna kept describing it over and over again, making Julia laugh. As they drove down the road, Julia realized that while she couldn't get in touch with Elijah, she should call her mother or forever face the accusation of holding out on her. She remembered having to cut her phone back on, hospital policy, 
and dialing the number while Anna was trying to explain something about the difference between pink and blue and green or purple. Julia distinctly recalled that her mom picked up the phone after just the first ring, which was entirely unusual, and somewhere in the recesses of her mind, she didn't know if this was an ability that she already had or if this was something she was just now picking up as a mother's instinct thing, but she certainly knew that something bad was happening and she could feel the dread already. Before she could even say anything at all, her mom said, Oh my God, honey, we've been trying to get in touch with you. Where have you been? I'm so sorry. They said they were trying to reach you, but couldn't locate you. They called here to see if we knew where you were. Her mother was rambling on almost hysterically and crying at the same time. Julia had just placed the pancakes on a plate for Nathan and looked out the window at the snow, which looked just like it had on that very same day at that very same moment, blowing and swirling around as though there was nothing in the world to be concerned about. She remembered Anna abruptly stopping talking when, as they turned onto her street, she immediately noticed the clearly recognizable military vehicle parked in front of their house. Although she had never seen anything like this, and even now didn't want to realize just what it meant, she knew as she stepped out of the car that there was nothing good at all about this very moment. She remembered hearing Anna jump out of the car, running around to her and yelling, Oh no, oh no, not right now, please God, no, as a military chaplain stepped out of the car. Right then and there, Julia's entire world shattered into a million pieces as she collapsed to the ground and began screaming. End of chapter two. All right. Uh, I'm going to try and set this thing up so that you can comment on this and, and just... Uh, See what you think. I, I may even go another podcast and, and read a couple more chapters just to kind of get you a little feel of where this story is going and how it's coming together. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening. And hopefully we'll be right back with another podcast in just a moment. Okay. Thank you.